Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Hey, Sean. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How about you, buddy? Oh, you know, not too bad. Put some gas in the car today. Hey, getting all uh, ready for that uh, new year just upcoming. Yes, so we're recording this on New Year's Eve to indicate the type of people that we are um, inside talking about curling on New Year's Eve. We're really excited to go to bed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so if you can't tell, we are not in the same room right now. We're doing this remotely, given uh, the logistics of getting around on New Year's Eve. But we're very excited to talk about the first event of 2019, which is kicking off next week, Scott. It is, of course, the next leg in the Grand Slam of Curling, the Canadian Open. Yeah, Sean, uh, everybody's most anticipated event of the year, the Grand Slam that is known as the Meridian Canadian Open, uh, taking place there in North Battleford this yeah. weekend. Yeah, so nothing wrong with little North Battleford action. Love it out there. You know, I've always said North Battleford in early January is you know, where I'd like to go for a vacation. <laughs> so. Yeah, and they've actually moved this event on the calendar from where it was last year last year it was uh, i believe after the uh the well what's it the, the continental cup you know that thing um, yes that's right where where they had the continental cup a little earlier now of course everything was different last year because of the olympic games but definitely a, a change there moving forward but because last year scott it was different it was the last big event before the Olympics, and as it will be this year for most teams, the last event before provincial playdowns. That's right, Sean. So the question that came up when we were sitting around talking about curling was, hey, uh, is this event going to have any bearing on how the season moves forward for any of these teams? Right. So, you know, if we take it from the old Dave Letterman style where he, he played the game, is this anything? We could play the game, does this event matter? Yeah, uh, right in, on. In the, in the grand scheme of things. So uh, we went through and we looked at last year's event, the 2018 Canadian Open. The uh, event last year took place in beautiful Camrose, Alberta. And we looked at the results there and how the teams did after the Canadian Open and, and whether or not there is some sort of a correlation between results here and later results. So we're lucky last year that we had a bunch of teams who went on to do very different things because you had all the Olympic teams and then, of course, the provincial playdown team. So where do you want to start with this, Scott? Sean, I'd like to start on the women's side. Okay. And I want to start with the Olympic teams because there's one team that came out of this that I know had a pretty big impact in the Olympics, and that was Team Korea, Yun Jun Kim. Yes, so Yun Jun Kim, of course, going 8-1 and one at the Olympics. We all remember that amazing run that they had there, uh, losing, of course, the gold medal game to Anna Hasselberg. And at the Canadian Open last year, they had a pretty 
good run-ish. They ended up losing in the semifinals to Chelsea Carey. They lost that game 6-4. to four. They beat Rachel Homan, though, in the quarterfinals 7-4. to four. And they were actually the last team in. They were the teammates. Mm-hmm. So, team so we eight. Should, yeah, so we should say when we're going to give the records here, the Canadian Open is different from the other Grand Slams. This is a triple knockout bracket format, so you can qualify to the playoffs going three and zero, or you can qualify to the playoffs going three and three. So mm-hmm. it's or, or excuse me, three and two. Uh, once you're that third loss and you're out, but so that's why the records might seem a little strange here compared to other events. Uh, so uh, Kim Yoon-jin was the last team in. They beat Carrie Anerson to be the last qualifier, uh, while also beating Alina Patz, Darcy Robertson in that third round of the triple knockout. So they they had, as I said, a, a pretty good week. That They sort of got hosed a bit on the matchups. They lost their first game to Anna Hasselberg, tough game. Not, nothing wrong with losing there. And they lost their second game to Chelsea Carey, and then they come all the way back winning those next three to make it into the playoffs and lose eventually in the semifinals. Yeah, so uh, a really good run for them and a bit of a harbinger of what was to come at the Olympics. Yeah, they sort of got hot there at the end and, and carried some momentum forward. Now, How about a team that didn't carry that momentum to the Olympics? Well, let's see. If we go down the list here to how about we go to sort of a, a different thing with Anna Hasselberg. I just mentioned that she won her first game against the Koreans, but she would go on, Scott, to lose two out of her next three games, and she actually missed the playoffs mm-hmm. here at the Canadian Open. So she she wins that first game against the Koreans. Then she goes on to lose to Carrie Anderson, beats Nina Roth, then loses to Laura Crocker, and then finally to Silvana Tiranzoni to miss the playoffs. And, of course, she goes on in South Korea to go 7-2 and two in the round robin and win the gold medal. She definitely won uh, the gold medal and kicked off the year of Hasselberg in a little bit underwhelming style here she at this event. Did, you know, yes. you know yes. we, we might not have thought uh, everything that was to come would happen, but uh, sure enough, uh, she turned the turn the gas uh, turn the gas on. That's not a thing. No. It's what what not, do they say? Uh, turn turn the heat up. Turn the prep. Turn the heat up. Yeah. Uh, you pour gas on a fire. I don't hey, know. there you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, lit a fire underneath her there. Yeah. So uh, certainly a tough week in Camrose for them. Uh, you talk about a team that maybe did well uh, and then didn't do so well at the Olympics. Of course, Rachel Holman, Team Canada. She runs through the. First part of the event here, she goes 3-0 and in her first three games, beating Jamie Sinclair, Nina Roth, Carrie Anderson, arguably not really a murderer's row there. Uh, remember, it's Carrie Anderson's team from last year, not the, this new all-skip squad. And then she loses in the quarterfinal to the Korean team. So she finishes her week at 3-1, and which is pretty good. Of course, that loss, though, in the quarterfinals is not what you want to see from them, particularly... Interestingly, in that quarterfinal game, Emma Miskew throws 70%. Rachel Holman throws 57% as they lose 7-4. to And, of course, they go on to a 4-5 and five record, missing the playoffs in the Olympics. Yeah, Sean. And, and so you mentioned Sylvana Tiranzoni, their team, uh, made the playoffs, also lost in a quarterfinal to Jennifer Jones, and had a bit of a disappointing run at the Olympics that year. 
Yeah, so they go four and five in the round robin, again, missing the playoffs at the Olympic Games. And mm-hmm. uh, here, actually, at, at the Canadian Open, they were only three and three. They didn't make it through into the playoffs with the going in that last spot with they, they beat Anna Hasselberg, second to last spot, uh, beating Anna Hasselberg there in that last game to qualify. So if you look at the total record, you know, it's not that different from what we see at the Olympics, but mm-hmm. it, it certainly was a struggle for them to get into the playoffs here. Yeah, coming out the seaside, uh, along with the Korean team and Michelle Inglot. So, yeah, so uh, it seems to me like our it's what we've talked about so far is people that maybe they qualified for the playoffs and then weren't able to carry the momentum, save for that Korean team. Yes, uh, I would say the Koreans. Well, you're also missing, though, of course, Nina Roth, Scott. How could we sleep on Nina Roth? Yeah, she didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, uh, she, she, she missed the playoffs here. She goes two and three and, and joined that group at four and five at the Olympic Games. So those are the five Olympic teams that played in this event. And, of course, none of them win the event. We'll get to that in a second. But certainly, I, you know, you look at this, the, the one that goes the furthest is uh, Ying Jung Kim of South Korea, and she had the best round-robin week at the Olympics. Uh, but, of course, the second-best round-robin week at the Olympics was Anna Hasselberg, and she did not do well here. So, you know, you, you, uh, you know I, I don't really see a correlation here, Olympics, to this event. So for the Olympics, this event doesn't matter. That's what I would say, yes. Which, Sean, is good because there's no Olympics this year, so uh, who cares uh, <laughs> for this year coming up? But right. how about those teams that went on to then uh, play in their provincial playdowns and perhaps in the Scotties? Yeah, so so let's start with the winner. Chelsea Carey wins this last year. She is the defending champion, beating Michelle Englott in the final. And, of course, Chelsea Carey would go on to lose in the Alberta Scotty, she loses the A qualifier, or excuse me, she was the A qualifier, loses the one-two game, loses the semifinal there in the Alberta playdowns to not make it to the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. Yeah, it was a bit of a letdown uh, not being able to get out of Alberta. Of course, uh, we saw Casey Scheidegger get out of Alberta last year. Yep. Uh, Chelsea Carey did have the second chance to get back in the game with the wildcard game and was yes. not able to pull out a victory there either. So a uh, disappointing year for end of the season there for Team Carey, and we saw their team shake it up uh, and, and break up at the end of the year. Yeah, so this was the sort of last successful hurrah there for uh, Chelsea Carey and her squad. That's right. Uh, so we also, if, if we want to stay in Alberta then, Laura Crocker, here she loses the quarterfinal. She makes it to the quarterfinal last year at the Canadian Open, losing to Chelsea Carey in that game, and she did not make the playoffs at the Alberta Scotties. No. Oh, no, it wasn't able to do it. So, uh, all right, uh, I've got an idea <laughs> now about that. Uh, what's next? All right, Allie Flaxey. She was the number two qualifier. She was 3-0 and through that first round gets in and loses to Michelle Englund in the quarterfinals. Ali Flaxy, of course, last year still playing out of Ontario. And as we all remember, Holly Duncan ended up winning the Ontario Scotties. So Ali Flaxy similarly has a really good start to the week. You know, tough loss. She loses only 5-4 to four to Michelle Englott in a game 
again, though, she throws 57%. Uh, Clancy Grandy throws 62%. The whole team throws 66%. Sort of interestingly enough, uh, Michelle Englott's team throws 67%, beats him by uh, one percentage point, wins the game by a point Oof. there. Uh, but, yeah, Ali Flaxy, again, good week. I don't think anyone would sneeze at a 3-1 and record in a Grand Slam field, but not able to carry that forward into the Ontario Scotties. No, uh, unfortunately for her, and that's, again, another team that broke up at the end yeah. of the season. So uh, what's next on your uh, list here? Next, next I have Michelle Englott. She loses the final to Chelsea Carey here. She, of course, had the automatic spot into the Scotties Tournament of Hearts as Team Canada last year, and they go through and end up with a 6-5 and five record, replacing Rachel Homan's team with the Team Canada slot as they were off at the Olympic Games and misses the playoffs there. Yeah, Sean, that's right. I'm just going to double-check. Michelle Inglot's team, I believe, through the first round, the, this was the first year that they split everything up, right, so into, into pools? Yes. So, yeah, so through the preliminary pool, they were 5-2, and two, ended up at 6-5 and five for the week, so only 1-3 once they got into that championship pool. Yes, uh, so I... I believe, Scott, that we what we saw last year was that the one pool did much much better than the other. Uh, in the in the that pool A basically ran through pool B. Yeah, you're when right. You look at the playoff teams; they pretty or, much were all from that one pool. Actually, they were all. They from were all pool. from that pool. Yeah, all the four teams that advanced were were from that pool. So. Uh, Tough, uh, tough ending there for Michelle Englott once she got playing against the better competition. Uh, it was it was a little bit of a reality check, I think, for the the faux Team Canada. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the other team I have here listed is Jennifer Jones. Of course, she loses the semifinal match at the Canadian Open last year to Michelle Englott. Bit of a blowout, losing ten to four. And of course, she would go on with Shannon Bircher to win the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. That's right, Sean. So uh, we see Jennifer Jones here um, taking some momentum from this event, having to swap out uh, their, her third and still being able to, to win. So uh, overall, we see most of the teams here not able to carry the momentum, uh, I would say, we have Team Korea that uh, did well coming out of this. Jennifer Jones did well coming out of it. And that's about it. Yeah, and, and the teams that you think, well, maybe get some momentum here, Chelsea Carey, Michelle Englott, don't really carry that forward all that well. A lot of layoff, though, for Michelle Englott. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to sort of say that this is sort of the event that would give you momentum when it's over a month before the Scotties. Uh, Chelsea Carey, though, may be a little surprising there. And with the Olympic teams, I'm not seeing much of a correlation between anything. No, so, uh, okay. So for the women, we're not seeing much of a, a relationship here. What about, Sean, on the men's side? So on the men's side, we might have a different story here when we look at the Olympic Games. So on the men's side, the champion of the Canadian Open last year was Peter de Cruz mm-hmm. and his squad, picking up what I believe was their first Grand Slam victory, and, and I guess continue, would continue to be their first Grand Slam victory. They beat Nicholas Adine in the final by a score of 4-3, to three, and Peter de Cruz went 6-1 and one 
here last year in Camrose, and he goes on to a 5-4 and four round-robin record at the Olympic Games, winning the bronze medal. Yeah, that's right, Sean. Uh, they were able to capitalize on that. That was a big win. That was like, I think, was that the first all-European final that we'd seen in a Grand yeah. Slam? Something like that, and it was... Uh, uh, they seemed really excited to win. And yes, then, I, I remember commenting after they won that they were too excited for, for having won an event that close to the Olympics. Not that they shouldn't be excited, but that the, the event was really viewed for a lot of people as the tune-up for the Olympics. Yeah, it it definitely was the uh, the tune-up for the Olympics. So, uh, you know, getting them all set for that event, and they did come away with a bronze medal with their victory over. Or Kevin Cooey in the bronze medal game. Yes. Uh, so so there we have that one. The other one, of course, as I said, he beats Nicholas Adine in the final. And, of course, Nicholas Adine goes on to a 7-2 and two record at the Olympics in the round robin after his 5-3 and three total record in Camrose, winning the silver medal mm. at the Olympic Games. Mm. Yeah, losing... Uh... Or losing that final to John Schuster, we all know, all know about yep. that. And Nicholas Adin's resume uh, would continue to grow with his world championship uh, in Las Vegas. Yes, uh, and then in the semifinal, Nicholas Adin beat Kevin Cooey, who goes on to a six and three record at the Olympics, losing the bronze medal game to the aforementioned Swiss team. Uh, yeah, and they of course lost their semifinal game to John Schuster, uh, can- who beat Canada twice uh, in the Olympics in Pyeongchang. So uh, really tough. Uh, you know, it was a good beginning of the week for Kevin Cooey. They seemed good. They seemed like they were into it, and and uh, sort of fell off the table there at the end. Yes, uh, for for sure. Uh, and then there are two other Olympic teams in this field: Thomas Olsrud who goes one and three, missing the playoffs here, actually losing to Nicholas Adin in his last game in the third qualifier bracket. And he, of course, goes on to a four and five record at the Olympic Games and misses the playoffs there as well. Yeah, Sean, uh, you know, Thomas Olsrud's team, uh, they they know what they are. They they, <laughs> they don't need, uh, you know, to, to win at the Canadian Open to to take anything away from it or whatever. They know who they are, but uh, failed to make the playoffs there in, in Korea. Yes, and then the final team, the final Olympic team in the field was, of course, John Schuster. He goes two and three, and he misses the playoffs as well, losing his final game to Reed Carruthers. Yeah, that was the one of the qualifiers for the C event there, so yes. wasn't wasn't able to crack the playoff field. No, and of course, John Schuster goes 5-4 and four at the Olympics, and we've talked a lot, of course, about that amazing end-of-the-week run where they were basically in the playoffs or in a position of, like, losing your out mm-hmm. pretty early in the week, and they just didn't lose anymore. So so good on them. But what's interesting here, Scott, is if, so five Olympic teams, and three out of the four teams in the final four at the Canadian Open were also three of the four final teams at the Olympic Games. 
Yeah, uh, that's true. The, the only team there that isn't in the final four of the Olympics is Brad Jacobs, who lost his semifinal to Peter de Cruz. So that's a that's kind of a fun little thing there. And Thomas Lizard struggles here, struggles at the Olympics, and John Schuster is sort of the outlier. So really, for four of these teams, you could make a case, or, or, or at the very least, you can see a correlation between their performance at the Canadian Open and what ends up happening at the Olympics. Yeah, exactly, Sean. Uh... In this side, we're seeing a much uh, stronger correlation. And even moving away from the Olympic teams now, and we look at the teams uh, from Canada uh, that made the playoffs here, I'm looking at it, I think there's only one team that uh, didn't make the Briar, and you can argue that he had the most fun shot of the Briar in that wildcard game. Yeah, so Gunner uh, makes the uh, playoffs here. He's the second qualifier going 3-0 and through that first leg, losing to Kevin Cooey in the quarters 6-3. to And as, of course, we've talked about, we talked about last week on our year-in review episode that Gunner had my favorite shot of the season in the 10th end of the wild card game where he basically rolls the shot, mm-hmm. uh, rolls the stone down the ice. Yeah, yeah, pretty uh, fun shot there for Team Gunner. And uh, the rest of the teams in the event... I just lost my tab here. Oh, uh, here we go. So uh, Team Brendan Botcher, Briar finalist. Yeah, I should point out, though, that at the Canadian Open last year, Brendan Botcher wasn't there. This was the event where Steve Laycock skipped the team. That's true, yes. So not, you know, not to take, like, there's still three-fourths of the team there, but without the skip, it's not quite the same. And actually, I'm on uh, Wikipedia, and if I hover over the Team Botcher link, Yes. Uh, it directs me to Stephen Steve Laycock, <laughs> uh, his webpage. So uh, interesting tidbit there. Yeah. So the other teams, of course, mentioned Brad Jacobs losing the semifinal here. He, of course, goes eight and three at the Briar, losing the three four game to Brandon Botcher. Mm-hmm. And you could make the argument, of course, that he shouldn't have been in the Briar because Tanner Horgan was in control of the Northern Ontario final and just sort of did what teams that haven't had to be in those situations do and just sort of let it go. And, and mm-hmm. you know, more power to, to Brad Jacobs. They won the game. And I you, think Tanner Horgan would use that as a learning experience. But they had to go through some adversity there and the North Ontario, Northern Ontario played out. Yeah, Sean, but as you say... Uh... Uh, you play to win the game, yes, and yes. they won the game. They got there, uh, made the playoffs again uh, at the Briar. So uh, no such as there. We have uh, uh, they beat uh, Reed Carruthers in the quarterfinal of last year's Canadian Open. Reed Carruthers team made the championship pool and then promptly decided not to win any more games, <laughs> uh, finishing five and six overall. Uh, still like a pretty strong shooting percentage over for the week, eighty three percent. Uh, is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Gunlickson we talked about, and Mike McEwen, uh, the last team there, who um, last year at the Briar uh, were the wild card team. They won that game against Jason Gunlickson uh, and finished just outside the playoffs at seven and four. So uh, we're not seeing any teams in here that didn't at least make the playoffs of the Briar, except for Jason Gunlickson, who just missed the field. Right. Well, who didn't make the the? I mean, McEwen and Carruthers didn't make the playoffs. No, no. The, I mean, a championship yeah. pool. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Reed Carruthers wins Manitoba 
in the interim, of course. That's a, a pretty Very big tough. deal, right? Tough. With with Gunner there, with McEwen there, mm-hmm. certainly, uh, you know, you can't sort of take that away from Reed Carruthers. But what I'm seeing here, Scott, is again maybe a little more correlation here on the men's side. You know, if you look at the teams that don't make it through here, you know, John Morris, uh, Louis Ryu, mm-hmm. um, who else? The you have, uh, John Epping, John Epping. Uh, of course, of course they makes they... it to the playoffs in the Briar, Briar uh, but he doesn't make it through. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't really know what to make of sort of the Briar playdown situation. Certainly, some correlation there with the Olympics. Yeah, what I would say, Sean, is that uh, the men's field uh, seems to me to be a little uh, more top heavy in in Canada. Yes. Where whereas. Uh, Internationally, I think the women's field is a lot deeper uh, with the other countries. So um, you get, I, I don't know if that makes sense, uh, how, I, how I phrased it, but uh, like a lot of very good women's teams from other countries, whereas the men's teams, you know, we have the Nicholas Adine that we talked about and um, Peter DeCruz, those sorts of teams, but there's not that many of them compared to the women's game. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair assessment. And, and if you look to the Asian teams, the women are certainly more competitive internationally right now yeah. than on the men's side. So I think that's a pretty fair assessment. And, and you just sort of see it at these types of events. And now, you know, we, we look at this, we could say, well, is there a correlation between Canadian Open and what happens after it? I mean, maybe. But, I mean, you look at this and you say that the, the, the they're good teams. They make the playoffs at this. And then, of course, they go on to do other good things afterwards because they're the better teams yeah like of it's, course. it's so it, it's not that surprising to me to see it I, if anything i was a little surprised that you don't see much of the same at the olympics now that is of course because you know anna hasselberg has a bad week at the canadian open last year and maybe surprising there rachel Holman has a bad week at the olympics surprising there you know if you look at nina roth struggles here struggles at the olympics Maybe not a surprise. You know, Kim, the the South Korean team, is probably the biggest surprise there, but they come into the Olympics, you don't really expect much from them, and they go on this magical run. So it, to me, it's, it's one of these things where you just keep looking for who are the good teams and, and who's playing well, and you just it, – it's hard to account for those one-off outlier weeks, and that's – to me in sort of doing this exercise is my takeaway from it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you've summed it up really well there, Sean. Uh, not much more to add on my end. All right. Well, let's run through the teams for this year's event really quickly. Let's start on the men's side. You have a lot of the expected teams there. Brendan Botcher, Reed Carruthers, Peter Cruz, Matt Dunstone, Nicodine, John Epping, Jason Gunlison, Gushu, Howard, Jacobs, Kevin Cooey, Scott McDonald is back after his uh, rather successful fall. Bruce Mowat, Kirk Myers, a couple of the maybe surprising teams. I mean, Braden Calvert, we've seen him at a few now, qualified here. And then, of course, the sponsor's exemption for this event goes to Ryan Clater from Saskatoon, the two-time defending men's junior champions out of Saskatchewan. Yeah, Sean, that's a pretty deep field, all things considered. Uh, did any of those names stand out to you as 
Um, threats to win, I would say. Who would you identify as the threats? I mean, again, you, you just sort of look at those regular teams of Kui, Gushu, Botcher, mm-hmm. and Jacobs, maybe. Brad Jacobs, as we record, this has not announced what his lineup is going to be. said that will happen shortly. The indication at the end of the event in Conception Bay was that Fry would be back. The way they worded the announcement or the other day, not really the announcement, the the the, the news story, the, the quotes that Brad Jacobs had sounded a little more ambiguous to me. So curious to see who they have at third with them out there in North Battleford. But those are sort of your, your typical teams. If you're looking for maybe upset type options, Glenn Howard has done pretty well at the Grand Slams this year. Scott McDonald... We've talked about him a lot. Just had a really great fall mm. leg of the season. And, of course, John Eppings has won a Grand Slam already this year. Yeah, and um, I'm, so I'm looking at the draw right now. The triple knockout format is it's exciting for me to see it because, uh, to be honest, I've been getting sick of all these two-and-two two teams making the playoffs. But uh, what I see here is that uh, they haven't done this junior team any favors by putting them against Kevin Cooey in the first game, <laughs> saying, uh, oh, yeah, you want to play with the big boys? Here you go. Yeah, good uh, luck, kid. <laughs> yeah, so no favors. But looking at the match here and the sort of four-team brackets that everyone's been put in, I can see Matt Dunstone doing pretty well. He's playing Braden Calvert in his first game and then meets the winners of Botcher versus Carruthers, uh, which could be a, a pretty winnable game for their team coming off uh, how they played in uh, China, Matt Dunstone played in China just before Christmas and won the event there. So uh, that's sort of my dark horse team to watch. Uh, Glenn Howard gets to play Brad Gushu in the first game, and we saw a great match between them in Conception Bay. So yep. I I think that'll be a really uh, fun game to watch too, and see if Gushu starts rolling his eyes because Glenn gets all the <laughs> all the breaks and stuff. So those couple games there. Um, I'm pretty excited to uh, to watch. Well, I won't be watching because they won't broadcast them yet. But uh, right, yeah, you know, uh, Tuesday Whenever, night's the, the yeah. time to go. But yeah, whenever they start to broadcast them, then you'll watch. I'll be uh, I'll be following along. So very 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 good. So if we look over at the women's side again, the teams that you would expect: uh, Chelsea Carey, Kane Anderson, Tracy Fleury, Satsuki Fujisawa, Anna Hasselberg, Holman, Jones, Muirhead. My girl, Darcy Robertson, Nina Roth, Casey Scheidegger, and then Sylvana Terranzoni, Laura Walker, Isabella Rana. So we've seen all these teams at these events all season. The two newish ones, Elena Stern, who is there as the winner of the Tour Challenge Tier 2, and then the local team that gets the sponsor's exemption, a team that we are familiar with. We've seen them around a bunch. Robin Silvernagel gets that spot. The hometown team from North Battleford. Yeah, Sean. And looking at their pool, they're in their little little uh, bracket. They they play Tracy Flurry the first game, and then get the winner of Team Anderson versus Team Roth. So not an easy not an easy path for them to get out. No, I like uh, that you're giving them the win in the first game too. Well, I mean, throwing some shade on Tracy Flurry that they're going to get the winner. No, no. If they have to win both those <laughs> games, those are two tough ones to win. 
uh, to get out of there. I, I like Rachel Holman's uh, setup here, playing Laura Walker the first game, and then the winner of Darcy Robertson versus Elena Stern. Uh, I like her to get uh, to one of those A qualifiers pretty quickly. Top head, top of the bracket. Uh, Hasselberg's drawn something pretty tough, but uh, it'd be tough to see her not uh, at least get to one of those A qualifiers. So interesting to see. I like how you know you can lose a game and you're still in it. You could lose two and you're still in it, but you lose that third, get out. Um, yes. Which is mostly the case at these Grand Slams. So. Uh, it, it just it's kind of tough to see a team advance from the A bracket into a quarterfinal where you lose and you're done and, and could lose to a team that's already lost twice and yeah, but think, it's like oh, that at all okay. these, it's like that at all these things. I know. I I would just like to see maybe a true triple knockout where you keep playing until you lose three games. Yeah, you, yeah, but that just doesn't work for TV. Listen, I know, I know it doesn't okay. work for TV, but uh, and you know who owns it? A television network. That's true, Sean. That's true. Hey, uh, you mentioned Darcy Robertson there. Have we talked about uh, World Cup Lake 3 or no? No, we have not talked about World Cup Lake 3. Do we want to do that real quick? Uh, yeah, let's, yeah, let's do that real quick. Uh, the Canadian teams were announced. Darcy Robertson will be the women's representative. Matt Dunstone, the men's representative. As the previously announced, Brad Gushu and Jennifer Jones teams have decided not to participate. What do we make of this? Yeah, Sean, this it really seems to me like the curling World Cup. Like, the players in Canada don't care. And it doesn't matter. And I think that's bad for the event overall. Well, I mean, I, I don't blame them. It's a long way to go for an event that they have to put up money for, which has been covered elsewhere before, that if they win, they're just going to have to spend more money to go to China in, what is it April or May? In the lead up to the, the provincials, if they're playing in them, or to the Scotties or and the Briar. So it's like, wh- why should I care about this when it, it doesn't really make... There, there's no incentive for me to care about it as a player to travel across the, the ocean to go play in this. When my focus is, and frankly should be, trying to win a national and then world championship, you know, if this event was after playdowns, then okay, then it makes more sense. But to do it now, or when they're doing it, I understand why the Canadian teams would be less inclined to go. Okay, okay. Um, I see what you're saying there, and and that's one of those things, those those questions of like, who asked for this? Why yes. is it being done? Uh, is it just to grow the game in China? If so, I think you need the best competition you can get, or do you just want the Chinese teams to do well. I don't know. Uh, it well, is. They want the Chinese. Of course, they want the Chinese teams to do well. They also want the American teams to do well. Yeah, but is it just? Is, is it working? Then is what I wonder. If we see teams that. I mean, John Schuster just won, so. No, but if there's teams that we were told were going to go, and now are deciding not to go, uh, is this? You know, are, are the Canadian teams coming back saying they've had? bad experiences at these events uh or is it really just about the dollars and cents to team Gushu and team jones and the timing of it 
the, the timing doesn't make any sense. Where they can so that, stay and, and play in the skins game instead. Right. Yeah. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna give up the weekend, if I'm gonna play in an event, why not go where I can make probably a little more money? My sponsors will be happier because I'm gonna be playing on TSN to a bigger audience than I'd be playing on, on the world feed at a time zone that doesn't make sense given who my sponsors are. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it just to me it's a pretty easy decision if I'm Jones and Gushu to not go at this and at the same time for all the logistic problems that exist it makes just as much sense for Matt Dunstone and for Darcy Robertson to go because it could increase their exposure they haven't had the opportunity to at this level to play as a team candidate I know Matt Dunstone's done it but not at the senior level so it's sort of like when the Olympic hockey teams were made up of like college kids or, or however they used to do that. Like it makes sense or how the, the Olympic soccer tournament, it's all people under the age of 24 or whatever the rule is like, why not? It's not the most important event in the world. So why not have it be a launching pad, hopefully to give some people international experience and let them be Team Canada, get a sense of what that's like, because everyone who's done it says it's a very different experience. So why not? You know, If we're talking about how for the past year, or at least since the Olympics, that the world has caught up to Canada, then why not do something that could hopefully lift up some teams and, and make it so that Canada becomes even more competitive? Okay, so th- that's fine, whatever. But why then why did they announce... Why did they announce Jones and Gushu in the first place, and why didn't they just wait? That I don't know. They that we would have to ask Curling Canada about. All right, I think uh, we've got a question for the list to Curling Canada. Okay, I'll put that on my list for Vegas. Beautiful, thank you. To uh, to ask them, because yeah, I don't I don't know, and because uh, to me it makes it makes uh, the teams look bad. Uh, to the public, uh, not that everybody follows it like like we do, but uh, that people might have said, "Hey, I thought Jennifer Jones and Brad Gushu were going to go. I was kind of excited, and now they're not. Like, oh, did they make that decision to not go?" And so, it, if you delay the announcement of who's going, then these teams don't end up looking like they're trying to back out of something. I guess, but they made that announcement what, in July or something. And it seemed to me like it always seemed to me a little too easy of we'll put the two Olympic teams in the first one. We'll put the Scotty's Briar in the, the last one and then we'll just figure out the middle one. Like that always just seemed a little too easy, a little too cute for me. Mm. And once the TSN skins game was confirmed, then it seemed pretty clear that there's no choice anymore. And, and if anyone looks bad in this, I don't think it's the teams. I think it's curling Canada. And, and even if you don't want to say it's curling Canada that looks bad, it's then the organizers of the this World Cup who didn't get a confirmation once that was announced. Because if I'm these organizers and curling Canada says to me, all right, for this third one we're sending Gushu and Jones, I'm sending them whatever the contract is, like right away. Oh, yeah. And for whatever reason, that didn't happen. Or... They agreed what, that when that initial announcement was made, that that's who would be sent, that it was conditional or that it was tentative and that things could change. Well, things certainly have changed, and uh, we'll see what kind of a difference it makes to the viewership. And I know my 
um, you know. The viewership is going to be bad here anyway. But I, but I just know that my interest will be a little bit less. So not that anybody cares about that anyway. Um, no, mine might, mine might go up. I love Darcy Robertson. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe mine'll, maybe mine'll increase. All right. So, so. We'll get more into that once we get to it. We'll talk about some of the other teams. Some other surprising lineups uh, were announced recently for that. We'll get into that as we get closer to the event. But let's, Scott, make our picks here yes. for the Canadian Open. I've written mine down I'm, so as to not be accused of copying you in any sense. Okay, Sean, I'm I'm loading up the uh, spreadsheet here so I can write them down and keep track. Yes, as we continue our competition against each other we will of course as always each pick four teams both for men's and for women's teams to make the playoffs pick a winner if you get a team correct it's worth a point if you get the winner correct it's worth a bonus point so 10 total points available here at the canadian open and i believe scott of course you have the spreadsheet but i believe i have a three-point lead on the season so far well sean you're 100% 100% wrong. You have a, a two-point lead on me. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> you had a, you had a three-point lead uh, going into the national, the boost of national, of course, and I gained one point on you okay. by picking four correct playoff teams for the women. Okay, so there you have it. So it's a two-point spread right now. And, uh, Scott, you can go first here on whichever side you'd like to start with. Okay, Sean, I'm going to start on the women's side. Uh, because I really love this Anna Hasselberg, Rachel Holman showdown for who's going to take the most Grand Slam titles this year. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to pick both of them to make the playoffs. Uh, and I think that's pretty safe, you know, uh, two, two uh, wins each going into the fifth Grand Slam. We'll see if uh, the tie can be broken there. I'm also going to pick... Um, I'm going to pick Jennifer Jones to make the playoffs and give me looking here to do the Carrie Anderson. Okay. Uh, and who's your winner? My winner is going to be Rachel Holman, Sean. I think. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. I just uh, like how they're playing. I think this is a format that uh, will be good for them. Their bracket is really good. I think they're going to go three and O make, making it uh, out of the A bracket for that qualifier. And uh, they won't suffer the same fate they did last year where they got knocked out in the corner. All right. Well, that would scare me, though, that 3-0, because then you're sitting around for at least a day. Um, but okay, you know, you go with that. Uh, and certainly you can add another another thing to what the Holmans have to be happy about this year with uh, as we record this. Emma Miskew might be married right now. She might. I, I don't know what time they were doing it. Oh, yeah. That's right. Her wedding's to, today. Yes. As we record this, they are. she is getting married, and they're all there. So, of course, congratulations to Emma Miskew. And, of course, congratulations to Rachel Homan and her husband, who announced that they are expecting a child in the spring, which we talked about last week. And, of course, I will pick Rachel Homan to make the playoffs as well. Uh, I will also go with Jennifer Jones, Anna Hasselberg, and give me... Satsuki Fujisawa, not only Scott to make the playoffs, give me the Japanese team to win the Meridian Canadian Open. Wow, Sean, you're we're going with the Japanese team to win this Canadian Open. Yes. Seems it seems counterintuitive, but I like your moxie. 
So, uh, so, so those would be my picks. On the men's side, Scott, I'm going to go pretty chalky with John Epping, Brad Gushu, Kevin Cooey, and my winner, Brendan Botcher. Oh, so you think Botcher will uh, come out of that pool there, hey? Okay. I do, yeah. Okay. Um, Botcher. Let me make sure I write this down. So Botcher, Cooey, Epping, and Gushu. Correct. Correct. Thank you, Jalen. So, so you got? As I had mentioned, I really liked uh, I really liked Matt Dunstone there in that uh, middle four. I'm gonna take Matt Dunstone to make the playoffs. Give me Bruce Mowat as well. Um, and who? Uh, I'll t- I'll take Gushu. Sure. Coming out of the bottom there. And I think I think I'm gonna pick Kevin Cooey to win. Seems okay. like uh, seems like Cooey's due for one. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is weird to say because they, you know, they've won a couple things this year. But you know, yeah, it does feel like they uh, they're sort of ready for for a bit of a breakthrough here. So uh, yeah, not a bad pick there for Kevin Cooey to make it through. So the those are our picks for the Canadian Open, which of course kicks off on Tuesday, January the 8th. So we will be back after the final, I think. This is going to depend on logistics if we can work this out, because Scott's going to be all over North America over the next couple weeks. Mm -hmm. But uh, after the finals on Sunday, January 13th, we will tentatively plan to be here. What, uh, What time are those finals, Sean? a.m. for the men's final and 3p for the women's final. And I'm going to assume that men's finals on the CBC with the women's game going at, uh, at Sportsnet. And I think those are local times as they are local times. So you're looking at a 1230 East start and a 4 p.m. East start. That should be good for me. I'll be uh, a Pacific time. So, yeah, so uh, so we'll plan to do that on the 13th. Of course, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. You can get in touch with us at Game of Stones Pod and via email at Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. Scott's on Twitter at Game of at uh, Scott Likes TV. I'm there at Dr. Shawnee Fever. So please do find us, subscribe, do all that fun stuff, share the fun and frivolity of the Game of Stones podcast with your friends and or family. John, and I want to also just mention one more week for our sticker giveaway. Uh, get in touch with us via Facebook uh, email, or email, Twitter, or Instagram for uh, possible entry into a, a sticker giveaway. Yeah, so we'll... Uh... Let's extend that to, what, the 14th? Yeah, we can do that because that way I don't have to take stickers with me on my trip. Yeah, so we will extend that that contest, not to the 14th, to the 13th. So get it into us. Uh, All you got to do is just tweet at us, send us an email, whatever it is, by Sunday, January the 13th, and we will pick 10 people and send along a complimentary Game of Stones sticker. So please do get in touch with us. With that, and so. and anyone who writes an iTunes review, I will uh, also put in the draw. 
Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. iTunes, Google, wherever you get your shows. If you review us there, we'll check them out, and we will put you in the draw for a sticker. So until we talk with you again, enjoy the Canadian Open, everybody. Safe travels, Scott. Thanks, eh? And we will be back with you after the event out there in North Battleford. But until then, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.